You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is Ricky Stewart. Ricky is a former rugby league player who won three premierships with the Canberra Raiders, as well as representing both New South Wales and Australia. As a coach, he has also led the Australian team, the New South Wales Origin team, the Sydney Roosters, who he coached to a premiership in 2002, and is now the head coach of his beloved Canberra Raiders. Ricky has had a long and celebrated career, which includes being the only person to win the M Player of the Year Award and the M Coach of the Year Award. He has also started the Ricky Stewart Foundation to help both families and people living with autism. Ricky is a passionate and principled leader who balances the ability to be honest and forthright, but at the same time exhibit the type of deep care that helps build character and change lives. In this authentic interview, some of the key highlights for me were his thoughts on the importance of passion and energy as a leader and how you must also ensure you maintain balance. The importance of creating a sense of belonging and care for the club his thoughts on how you can improve the competitiveness of your team through a focus on pride and fun, and his views on the importance of man management and why it is more important than strategy. 
We were very lucky to get this interview with Ricky, and I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Here at The Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. You can help support our project, get exclusive content and early access to The Great Coaches Collection by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be a part of this journey are in the show notes. And now, please enjoy our interview with Ricky Stewart. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Ricky Stewart, good morning. Well, good morning, my time. Good afternoon, your time. And welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Thank you, Paul. You've got me training field, actually. It's what time is it here now? 3.28, 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. your time, 3.28 p.m. our time. And we've just about wrapped our day up. Ricky, tell me a little bit about your day. Where are you in the world and, and what have you been doing so far? In Canberra, the capital of Australia. We're into our uh, fifth week of pre-season work at the moment. We're I've got approximately 40, 40 players training with us at the moment. We've just finished our Rugby League World Cup and I've got, I think it's approximately eight players are in the World Cup, so they they don't join the squad until early January. So these guys, a number of our other senior boys who were involved in or have been here at the club for a while, they're back training. They've been back for two weeks now, but these other young guys, I've got a lot of trial train players and trial train means that I give them the opportunity to come in and train with the intensity of an NRL player, teach them how to train as an NRL player and as a professional athlete. A lot goes with that in regards to diet, preparation, lifestyle, and giving them the opportunity to lift their intensity and develop their skill and see if they're good enough to get an opportunity after Christmas, and an opportunity moving into the trial matches and giving them the chance to hopefully one day realise their dream. I, I get very excited coaching younger players. I, I still get a great buzz out of seeing young young football players Growing developers as footballers and more importantly, good young men. It's nice being in the position where you can give people an opportunity to realise that dream that they've had since they've been a young boy at school. And it's something that I've lived firsthand, um, dreamt, dreamt of being a, a footballer, so to speak, at school. What do you want to do when you leave school? I want to play footy. And I was very, been very fortunate that that dream came true for me. So a lot of good people along the way. I've been very fortunate with the people around me, great mentors, and uh, people have been giving me wonderful opportunities. We're going to talk a little bit about dreams and mentors and and your experience leading young men, but I want to go start a little bit with this mentors comment you just made because mm-hmm. you've had some you've had first hand experience as some pretty great coaches, Tim Sheens, Phil Gould, Bob Fulton, just to name three, and I know that Mal Meninga's the Australian coach is a friend of yours as well. But Ricky, you having worked up close with these people. Having seen them operate, what is it you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Yeah, well, Mel, Mel was one of those coaches too. I had a couple of years under Mel in Canberra you know, when he first started coaching. And yeah, we are great friends still. And he lives uh, not too far away. We often, myself, Mel and Glenn Lazarus, grab breakfast once every three or four weeks and chew the fat. But those, those coaches you mentioned... Tim Sheens was my club coach for about eight years, I think it was. And then Phil Gould and Bob Fulton were my representative coaches. Phil with New South Wales, Bob Fulton with Australia. I also worked with Bob. He was one of my head selectors or the chairman of selectors for New South Wales and Australia when I was coaching those. But they're very similar coaches in many aspects, to be honest, Paul. Some common traits were how strategic they were in preparation. Usually, usually competitive men who had a great strength in their man management and building a relationship with individuals and, and therefore into team and 
They were very good at creating environments that made you feel special as a bloke, made you feel special as a person. And they got trust. You know, I can only talk from my own experience and my opinions, but they got trust from me for, from their personalities. I was very close with the three of them. Obviously, I spent a lot of time with those, those men and Phil Gill got me into coaching in 2002. I was quite young. I'd only been out of the game for one year. I coached under 20 level and then moved into coaching NRL level. And I was very young, played with and against a number of the players that I was coaching. And I still remember the days there where, where Phil rang me and asked me. I actually said, no, I said, I'm not ready. And, and he said, I'll, I'll help you and make you ready. That was probably the catalyst in regards to getting me across the line uh, because I didn't want to fail. Where they individually, I suppose, shine was with Tim. He, Tim's innovation and attention to detail you know, towards the training and the preparation to playing a game of football was world-class. He really knew his player. He, got, he worked hard at knowing his player and what, what was happening outside football, his family, uh, sorry, the players' families. Gus was, he's a master orator, a wonderful presenter. I mean, you, I'm sure you see him, hear him in the media with his role today with Channel 9, but his presentation and, and the three men with their knowledge of the game was tremendous. You know, Phil's presentation and game planning, he was ahead of the game. Studying and understanding opposition strengths, weaknesses, previewing their plan, tack plan. He was very, very good in presenting it to players, teams. I mean, there was a game, 1989, we played Canterbury and this result was very important for both teams to make the five. We ended up coming fifth that year and won the comp, 1989, one of the greatest grand finals that was played. And I remember playing in Perth against the Bulldogs. Phil, Phil Gould coach team. And it was a very, very important game. Two of the big teams playing to make the five. It was around 20 of a 22-game competition. We ended up beating the Dogs on the bell in a very crucial win. And Ivan Henjak set the try up. I remember oh, being halfback, you're the first pass off the ruck, you're the first pass in transition of your plays and, and the strategy of your attack. Honestly, I, I was smothered all day. I felt as though there were opposition players coming up out of the ground and tackling me and nullifying our attack. And as a young boy, I just thought that I was off. I thought that I didn't understand what it was all about until I learnt the game more. And I knew then I taught myself. And then when I was had Gus as an origin coach, I, I knew what his planning was like. It was his previewing of games that they nullified our attack. And it was a little bit of instinctive attack that actually got the try for us. And Mal scored it in the end off a break made by Ivan. But we ended up winning that game and going on winning the grand final. But I thought I was getting choked by defenders coming out of the ground anyway. And it's credit to a coaching ability of strategically setting your defence via that attacking plan. And, and a great mate of mine, Bob Fulton, who the late Bob Fulton, who's only recently passed, it was quite ironic really because Bozo, um, known as Bob Fulton, Bozo, who played in England, coached me on both Rue Tours and World Cup in England, 90, 92, 94 World Cup Kangaroo Tours. Him, him and Tom Rodonigas were my two uh, idols. Uh, I still remember the uh, scrapbook my mother made for myself and had Bob on the front and both, uh, Tom on the back. And they were my favourite players as a boy. And I was very fortunate to be able to be coached and work with Bozo. But his, his strategy and game playing, like Tim and Gus, was very, very methodical. But competitor... Never, ever seen a bigger, greater competitor than Bob Fulton. Whether it was cards, whether it was marbles, whether it was coins, whether it was a game of football, I never, never, ever witnessed a greater competitor than Bozo. And he played that way too, and which is why he's an immortal of the game. But for me, those types of coaches and mentors along the way of my career has probably helped me, definitely helped me in the, to get into the position and have the longevity in coaching. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about that scrapbook later on, but... 
I would like to talk about your daughter because it was a milkshake that Emma threw at you, which ultimately set you on the path to open up the Ricky Stewart Foundation to help to help families in Canberra. And I know you're trying to extend that now to other places around Australia. But I wanted to just ask you, Ricky, how has Emma's challenges to communicate helped in turn when it comes to you communicating with these 40 young men, which you referenced when the interview yeah. started? It's a very good question. The milkshake that was thrown at me by Emma, we're in McDonald's. She loves McDonald's. Actually, she's nonverbal, and so it's very hard for her to get her message across to her, to her parents or her brothers, teachers, uh, when she was at school, etc. And we went into McDonald's, and she a lot of her language is through pictures, photos. We, you know, her carers make up storybooks along the way, and that's how she can get in the car and go out to the lake for lunch, go for a picnic, and they show her the storybook in regards to how, how they're going to get back home. We're going to go past McDonald's and bribe her into going back home. And we actually went into McDonald's and she threw the full milkshake at me and there was a group of cyclists there and they looked at her as though to say, you spoiled young girl, Un- unknowing, unbeknown to the, the cyclists that Emma was trying to tell me a message. She didn't like the colour of the straw. She wanted a chocolate, not a vanilla thick shape, or she didn't like the colour of the cup. And I thought then that's unfair on on these children. So that's why, you know, um, very briefly describing the story, that's why I then thought to myself, I've got to create more awareness around young children with autism. And that was you know, the catalyst behind starting the foundation. But I'm not the most t- a patient type of people, uh, nor, nor do I relax a, a enough or a lot. But Emma's certainly helped me in those areas. And she's probably basically, when I look back at a young a young woman now, 25-year-old, who finds that you know, for somebody who can understand is what is what is being said, but then emotionally and verbally cannot give you the answer or cannot tell you how she's feeling or what she wants, I, I, I see that as in very frustrating at times for her, poor thing, but she must be so resilient. And she is obviously patient. But then there is the odd tantrum. A bit like a father, I suppose. There is the odd tantrum, but she's still a very happy young girl and it shows me how flexible and the tough mindset, the tough-minded she is. And uh, her lack of resilience at times, I suppose, when she does have the odd tantrum is a, is basically, I've had enough of this and we're all the same. We're all very similar in that regard. But I suppose when when you look at what Emma's done for our family, my, my wife's patience has also been a, a huge lesson in leadership for me with coaching young boys as my children you know, as they've grown into teenagers as well, I feel it's made me calmer and more understanding of the players' welfare. I feel I'm a little bit more understanding in regards to what obstacles are in front of these young blokes today. And that's through my other two boys growing up through teenage life, you know, what obstacles such as outside, the outside negative influence that's there, the, you know, social drugs, social media, money, relationships, and, and obviously the desire of these young players that I'm coaching today on wanting to be the best, wanting to be in a real success stories. And, um, I suppose that gives me the um, an insight to what these younger players are living. Both both my boys are keen footballers and I know how driven they are and I sort of frame, put that in a framework around these individuals I'm coaching here today. Ricky, I know your father had a big influence on your career, but have there been things that you learnt from him that you've had to let go as your career has progressed? That I've had to let go, probably we're, we're, both very, we're both very, very similar in not handling losses very well. So certainly something I've got to try and let go quicker. Uh, where to this year, was uh, on the advice of one of the assistant coaches that we were reviewing games 24 hours after the game we played, you know, having the day off the next day and then reviewing games the day after. And you're carrying a heavy load. 
it's okay if you win, you win, but you don't win every game and you lose. You're carrying a heavy load. So we dumped it all the next morning. We, I'd have breakfast with my leaders the next morning, six to eight leaders, and, and dump the game there over breakfast, come back to the facility to do some recovery, rehabilitation, and then we'd go through a review with all the assistants and the team. We'd break them into units. And it was I must say it was a very, very big change and it was a better start to the week because we could dump the negativity of losses. Obviously, you can ride the highs of a, of a win, but... It's a little bit harder reviewing games thoroughly straight after a game, but I don't believe reviews have to all happen in the next 24 hours. You can carry reviews into the into the middle of the week when you're looking at improvements. Going back to Daddy, Dad, he was a player and a coach himself here in the local competition, and he gets the son now that he follows as a coach as well, and he's still always given an opinion. I remember when I was a young boy, Mum tells the story very well, I was, I was young and I had bronchitis, I was really ill. And we're playing a very important game. I think it might have been about under eights or under nines. And the old man was coaching. My nan said to mum, there's no way that boy's going out there today in what are you, what, two or three degrees, frosty conditions, and going out there today playing football. Mum said, no, no, no. So anyhow, we had to go to the game to watch the boys play. And dad was, as I say, coach. He threw my boots, boots and shorts and socks in the car. And he said, just in case, just in case. <laughs> so the competitiveness come out in dad. So mum took me. We weren't going real well. And this is not a story about, you know, good on me. It's more of a story about the competitiveness in my old man that I probably got a bit of. But anyhow, mum had to take the, hop, uh, the warm blanket off me. I had to throw the socks and the boots on and he threw a jumper on me. I went out for 15 or so minutes and we got a little bit of a better scoreboard. And he said, right, I'll get him back in the car. He's going to get crooked if he stays out here any longer. <laughs> we won the game. So that's the competitiveness of my father. But I asked players that dad coached and dad, dad was always about he still is. He always says, you know, you can't do more than your best. I know that sounds simple, but if you actually bite down on it and break it break it all the way down to the bones of it, well, you can't do any more than your best. And as long as you know you've got players doing the best for you uh, and for themselves, you can't ask any more than that. And if it's not good enough, um, go away and find improvements in regards to the player um, or, your, or, your, or your tactics. A lot of guys that dad coached, they're all got, you know, they're all his friends still. He's got great, great respect from them and He's built relationships all the way right throughout his career. He still lasts today, and um, he's always been strong in respect and being that good bloke. Pretty basic, but it's it goes a long way if you've got that. Ricky, you say, I've got this quote here from you, I think energy and passion are so important in sport and so important in life. And I, I see that passion come through when I, when I watch other interviews with you. But I wanted to flip it around a bit and ask you, can too much passion ever be a problem when it comes to leadership? Yes, yes, I do feel that it can be an issue. As a leader, you've got to be very balanced. I mean, I think passion is really important. Energy, passion, I think it's really important in regards to improvement results at a high performance level. You've got to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, you, you take shortcuts in the hard work. You don't love what you do. You're not driving yourself to be better. You don't love what you do. You don't make it personal. And I'm, I'm very, I'm an advocate for making it personal. And it's something that is very important in my life. It's the way I coach. I, I mightn't be as strategic as some coaches, but I know they don't make it as personal as I do either. I know who I'd rather be coached by. Um, it's a little bit like loyalty as a leader. If you have blind loyalty, that like passion, if you have blind loyalty, it can really affect decisions. It can affect your leadership and performance. I can gauge a person's passion as to whether it's, it's honest passion or they play on the word. And it's one of those words that get used too much in, in sport today. It's you know, like leadership. You know, he's a leader. 
when people say to me, he's a leader, I say, what type? I think it's it, it definitely, you need it, but it, it does, it needs to be balanced with clarity in the pro, towards the processes of what you're trying to achieve. You speak with such personal connection, pride. I'm going to use the word passion again, but there's got to be a better word when it comes to the Raiders as a club and its history. And I know you grew up in Canberra and it's been part of your story <clears> since you were a young person. But how do you build this sense of history and belonging with modern professional players? In a lot of my vocab is the word care. I don't get embarrassed by it, but it goes back to when you talked about my father, you know, like he cared about respect and cared about being a good bloke and, and having good good blokes in his football team. You can't be not a good person. You can't be a dickhead all week and then go out and think you're going to play a really good game of football this week and the boys are all going to play beside me, they're going to play for me or whatnot. They won't play for you. You've got to be a part of the team. You've got to be a you've got to care about the bloke beside you more than you care about you. You've got to do more things for the others. You've got to do more things for your teammates than what you expect for them to do for you because then that's that's a part of team. That's a part of leadership. You don't have to be the captain to be a leader. You don't have to be a senior player to be a leader. Everybody has some type of leadership. And, and not everybody got great leadership. People people taking shortcuts, not being honest, they're leaders in the wrong way. And so everyone's got some type of leadership in them. And for me, I want my players to care. I want them to care about the club because – the club, the jumper is 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 number one. Then it's then it's the players. And this club and several of its people have been such a big part of my life and at an age of <clears throat> important years for me, at an age of my learning, learning about high performance sport, about relationships, about growing up and maturing into a uh, a young man. So as a club, you know, we have right throughout our off season, we have history lessons, quizzes on who came before us. And the the thing for me, I want all my all the old players, all our past players, I want them to be very, very proud of the jumper they wore. I want them to be very, very proud of the individuals who are representing them. I think you, it doesn't have to be all about them, but there has to be an element of care about our players who have come before us and done all the hard work. We're representing those players as they were representing the club. And the players' commitment and buy-in for me is the, the key component here because if they don't buy in and they're not genuine about it, it doesn't happen. It's not it's not because I'm passionate and care about the club that they're they're naturally going to do that. I've got to recruit personalities that one are talented, two people who want to win, want to be competitive, and they want to uh, become better football players. And three, I, I think it's very important for a player to want to have that respect for the club and the jumper. You know, it's not a matter of just coming and using your team and your club in regards to the leveraging that position for their next next spot. They want to have to want to play for the club, play for the boys that they're coming, they're their new teammates. So I think that's very important too. This theme of care runs through your career, but it actually manifests. You can see it in other ways. You There's this ongoing story of you separating players from the team who just don't fit in. It's happened time and time again. Now, I guess that's great when you're trying to build a culture, but Ricky, I can imagine there's times when the people above you just want short-term success. And I'm wondering how you handle that pressure when it comes. I've got a very, I've got very strong administration board, CEO, chairman, um, who are all leaders in their own field. And they're very, very, they're very good people. Yes, they, they, they want the Canberra Raiders to win, but they want the Canberra Raiders club to be successful. Now, they're not here for short term. They're not. They're not in their position short term. They're here to create longevity for this club. And yes, we all want to win a grand final. That's the main priority, main goal. But as important is we've got to keep the foundation and the platform of this club for many, many years to come for other young football players and coaches to come through with this club and to be as proud as we are of the journey and the club itself. And I mean, look, 
you need a thick skin and be prepared for what's going to be thrown at you when you're a football coach, a leader, however you want to recognise it. But at times I've, I've got to make some really tough decisions in regards to the question you asked with short-term results or making changes to personnel. And, and I've had to do that and players, players were not happy. Sometimes they don't see the, the peripheral damage happening and it's not they don't see it, but it's, the, the, the boys are all teammates. But there are tough decisions that have got to be made at times when you've got a salary cap, you've got a roster that you need to keep improving and or you don't have players, individuals buying into the vision of what you need for the club and the, and the boys themselves. And I personally moved a player on and I didn't ask the senior players. Now, if I had my time over again, what if I sat them down and said, this is what I'm going to do? Yep, 100%. I don't think they could have changed my, my decision, but if I had to explain the decision to the boys... I think we could have moved on a lot quicker. Um, so it was an error of judgment of mine. I think I reacted too hastily and I definitely learned. But the one thing the boys understand is that I do coach for the club and it's very important that, you know, the, I know the boys play for the club. You know, I know that they, they see themselves as Raiders. But did the decision sir, uh, did the decision affect short-term results? Absolutely it did. But I need to make decisions for the pride of the, the club and the jersey. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ricky, I've got another quote from you I'd like to explore a bit, actually. I'll read the quote to you and then I'll ask the question. And you say, and it's our job to keep developing young men. And you know, when they're good, good people, good blokes, good young men, you don't let them take the wrong fork in that road. It was the last part of the quote that caught my eye. And I wanted to ask you, what needs to be in place for you to have the type of relationship with people you lead where you can talk to them about their life both in and away from the club? Well, I used the word care there earlier. The boys know I care about them, but it's, it's, it's trust. Now, all, all I want for my players, and I, I, I don't fall into the adage of uh, you can't get too close to your players. Well, I do. I don't, I don't compromise myself. I like getting close to my players because you've got to know about their life. You've got to know and understand your player. And I think it's in, the more I know about my, about my player, how he learn, wants to learn, how he handles criticism, how he handles praise, his family. I think that's very important. But I want to create those relationships. We don't have to be best friends. It's all about them just trusting me because I care about them as people too. It's not just about football. Yes, I want to help with all my assistant coaches and the club itself. Of course, we want to make them better football players. And yes, of course, we want to win. We want to win a competition. But I want them to be good people too. And I think you'd be surprised at the excitement I get in, in helping 
young football players, and and, and they are young. That even guys at 32, 33, 34, they're moving into an important part of their life. They've got young children, and they're it's it's things we we hear we hear hear it often that the more you repeat things at good habits, the more they become natural. You know, the, the, the more you repeat that good habit, just you, you just you learn from people around you, and it's it's something that with these these players here today, they know I care about them. I just, I just want them to all understand, especially these young boys that are coming in, our new players that trust the people around this club because we are, we are all here as one family. And with this club here, we do recruit from outside a fair bit. Canberra cops a fair bashing in regards to uh, Canberra itself. When they get here and understand that this is their second family because it's happened since 1982. When, when players come from outside the region, they leave their families behind. They bring their partner, if they've got a partner, and all their children. And the people they see most are the players and the players' families, the coaches and all the coaches' families. So we naturally grow into this second family for everybody. So it's a really good feeling. I still remember Gary Belcher and Mal Meninga, Gary Coyne, Dean Lance, all my senior players. Their wives were their wives were like mothers, second mothers to us and because that's the care they had for the younger players. Our families are all close. The children are all close. I've been here for ten years now, and I've seen, I've seen our players grow into relationships with their partners, into then having children, and it's been a good part of the coaching. You've seen, seen these players' children grow up. The players themselves mature. You see them maturing into guys making decisions for themselves, to guys now having to make a decision for both their partners or their wives and their children, and it's lovely developing young men into good, you know, good adults. Ricky, you talked at the start about helping people chase down their dreams, you know, at least young people coming into the club. And Mal Meninga, when he talks about you, says that you have elite honesty. Ricky is very honest. It comes through a couple of times in these quotes I've got from him about you. But when it comes to large teams of people, like the ones you lead, can you ever be too honest? <laughs> yes. I don't think you can ever be too honest. But you've got to know the person you're talking to. It's the way you sell the honesty. And I talk about knowing your player. You've got to know your player and how he understands different messages. Some can handle a, a strong, strong criticism. And that's where I talk about trust. And if they trust me, they know that criticism is to try and help them. Um, some boys need, need a little bit of criticism with an arm around them. We're all different. We all learn differently. But, you know, I've seen coaches get into arguments with players in regards to trying to critique them give them critical information, which is important, and there's a confrontation. Now, sometimes wanting to be honest and tough as a coach to a player, thinking you're right, you sometimes miss the, the point the player's got too. There's got to be communication either way. I think it's important to share that communication. It's not just all about the coach getting his point across. Give me your feedback as a player. Now, I've, heard, I've heard people say to me, and I don't mind, I don't mind telling people what they don't want to hear, mate, and I say, that's all well and good. As long as you're right, you can't always think you're right. Well, I promise you, it, it's easy to tell someone what they don't want to hear, but it's a lot harder to handle if I'm wrong. So, balanced communication is really important in regards to being honest. I don't think you never be too honest, but I think it's really important how you how you handle the honesty and the feedback to people and players. I mean, it's, it's like being a father. You know, last thing you want to do is go rant and rave to your kids. Actually, I get in trouble today for not ranting and raving. So I do, I do enough of it at work, so you do it at home to my wife, Kaylee. But um, I like to think I treat my players as adults, though. Um, when I've got communication with them, and you know, I like to think I, I treat them as men, uh, be responsible for your own actions. I love socialising, having a beer, beer with the boys. 
Um, and as, as I say, but as long as you don't compromise your standards. But Paul, for me, man management is such an important role in high performance sport. You know, we talk about culture and strategy, building relationships and man management is as important as strategy. It really is because it, it in a team sport, you need you need people who who want to do things for others around themselves. Oh, sorry, you want you want you want individuals to do do things for those around them, and that's what teams about. It's not about me, Ricky. It was the legendary Ron Massey that gave you some advice about the importance of confidence as a leader. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I had a difficult three or four years. You know, there was my manager since I was 19, 20 year old, passed away th- two or three years ago. And Ron, and he was a he was a wonderful mentor um, in all facets of life, uh, Fordo, especially around wine. He was a wonderful mentor, but he was great on the phone two, three times a week and still very close to his family. And Bob Fulton passed away. You know, here's another a great mentor, a person I rang for advice. And then Ron Massey, Ron passed away. And I, coaching Cronulla, I'd often go up to um, Ron's house for a cup of tea. And you talk about honesty, telling the truth. He probably seen it a little, a little differently than me, Ron. He's an older man, but there's only one way he handled the truth, and that was between the eyes. The, the one comment, the one comment I always remember from Ron, and he, he, he was one of the the big brains behind Jack Gibson. You know, Jack, known as one of the greatest coaches of the game, has seen. He was the he was a big part of the backbone behind Jack, uh, Ron Massey. But he said to me, Rick, players are like dogs. He said, they'll, they'll smell the confidence on you. But he said, don't forget, they'll also smell the lack of it. And I've always taken that to a game with me. You know, I'll, I'll, I've never walked into a shed as a coach thinking we're in trouble today. That's probably why I get so upset after losses because I think I don't think I've – there's never a game thinking, I, I, we can't win this today. And if there's a coach out there that's walked in the sheds thinking, we won't win today, he'd pack his bags before he gets to the game itself. But Ronnie was a very strong, opinionated, tough man who he had, he had, he had a soft soul as well. You know, he, he wanted you to do well. And he had a lot of great players that he coached in the Parramatta era. And then many a times I would uh, go to Ron's house and there'd be ex-players there. John Singleton, who's a wonderful friend of Ron's, we'd often go up and share a Chinese meal with John and, and Wayne Bennett, who was also very, very close to Ron. Ex-players, the wins, you know, Pete Wynn and Mick Crane was a gentleman of the game. He was so close to Ronnie, as they all were. Bob O'Reilly, Steve Edge, all the boys at Parramatta were. And, and I learned a lot about those days. And there's nothing better sitting down with a man who had so much knowledge and you're on your second or third cup of, uh, cup of tea and you just sucking the information out of him and, and he could talk, Ron. So he wasn't, uh, he didn't mind how long you stayed, but he was a beautiful man. But there was one, that was one comment that I've always taken to a game with me. They'll always smell the confidence on me as a coach. Ricky, you, when you went back to the Raiders, you said, and I've got the quote again, you said, I've said it from day one when I got here, I want to make this club competitive. I want everyone to be proud of the Canberra Raiders. That's important. It was the competitive piece that caught my eye because a lot of people listening will be leading teams at work, at sport and communities where the competitiveness might have dropped a bit and they want to reignite it. And I'm wondering if you've got any tips on how you can do that. The, re- the reason I said well, I want to be competitive again because you want to be proud. You know, I live in a small community here in Canberra and I'm stuffed if I want to be walking around here as a loser. I, I get bloody deeply embarrassed after a loss. I-, I won't go to my local coffee shop, but I ain't go to the 
the local pub and see my mates for a couple of days because I'm embarrassed. Should I feel that way? Um, probably not. As as I quote my dad, you know, you're doing your best, but I get embarrassed about losing. I don't want to lose, and I didn't want to come back here and not be successful, which is why I'm so hell bent on being making this club a proud club and winning a comp. Now that's a lot easier said than done, but we're 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 throwing our weight behind every little bit of preparation we can do to try and be successful. When I when I arrived at the club, we we were approximately eight thousand members. We had probably six to seven thousand average crowds. We become very competitive. We've had some smart recruitment. We've had some footballers who have matured and developed into. Well, we had at one stage no representative players. Now and we had an eight on, eight on a World Cup trip uh, just of recent. So you need representative players. You need senior leaders, representative players, quality men to be a, a competitive, strong football club. And we are that now. You know, we're averaging 23,500 members. We've got, you know, anywhere from 12, 14, 16,000 turning up to games. That's all because of these young players. It's all because of their will to prepare, the work behind the scenes. I mean, they don't just turn up to training three or four days a week and kick a footy around. There's a lot of work goes outside the parameters of training on the field. There's a lot of effort. And these young men now, today, are realising that there's a lot of hard work going in to be successful. Being Not being competitive, well, I, I, getting beaten doesn't mean you haven't been competitive. But from a coaching perspective, if your team's competitiveness is waning or whatnot, you've got to look at uh, your weekly workloads. Are they having fun? You know, is, if the, is there a business there that squeezing the, they're squeezing the, the juice out of all their staff? Are they having fun? Because if you don't have fun, you can't, you can't enjoy what you're doing. If you can't have fun, you're not learning. If you're going to work and not enjoying it, you're not going to learn. And as a football player, because you're physically, it's a physically demanding job, I've got to be careful at times with their workloads. I've got to make sure they're having some enjoyment in their life as well. And I've been in situations where we're six, eight, ten games on a loss, uh, losing streak. It's a lot easier said than done wanting to go out and have fun when you're down six games, I can assure you. And I've learned my lesson from the other way too, where I just kept working hard, just tirelessly working and working and working and spending too much time behind the video and in my office and I should be down in the gym having a chat to the boys socially. You know, and that's what I learned. I learned that two years ago when we had a very difficult year here. You got to work out, are they tired? Do they need rest? And then sometimes just one good day in the office, one good day on the footy field can turn you around very quickly if you've got the right talent and people. So every business is not going to be on a spiral on a upward trajectory. trajectory. So you got to work out the person. Are they enjoying work? Have you got the right vision? Have you got the right environment for them? That brings back competitiveness. I can never remember a time that a player in a player's DNA that he hasn't been competitive. It's the environment you've got to look at. Are they enjoying being here with you? Are they enjoying the, the, the work? Are you overworking them? You've got to create an environment that gives them every opportunity to be the best they possibly can because there's times when you're winning, that's when you can jump into them a little bit, but there's times where they need to cuddle, and I think it's no different in, uh, no different in business. Terrific, terrific answer, Ricky. Thank you for that. I think it's exactly the same in business. I think it's the same in life. But look, if I could ask one final question, you've been very good with your time and I can see you probably need a shower. I've got a quote to finish with and I think it sums up pretty much your whole philosophy to coaching. You say a very important lesson is that coaching isn't about what you want. It's about what you can do for others. And so, Ricky, just to finish, in the distant, distant future – when you do retire, if you do retire, because I think great coaches never fully hang up that whistle, what do you hope the legacy is that you've left? The legacy that I'd like to leave here, and there will be that day, um, the legacy I'd like to leave here is probably two-pronged. Firstly, that 
I've had some part in the development as a, for each individual as a, a professional athlete and as a person off the field. So I've, I've helped them in both. Secondly, I, I often say winning a grand final changes people's lives. Not just players, staff, clubs. I want to change people's lives here at the Raiders. That's, that's the other part of the, the two-pronged answer. And I think that five or ten years' time after you finish coaching, you hang up the whistle and you got you never get all the players, but the majority of your players still want to have a dinner with you or have a beer with you. It's a, I think that's that's the legacy that's be the nicest thing in regards to being the coach. Um, I've been around a while and I remember, remember Phil Gould uh, getting me ready for my first head coaching role and it was, what, 20 years ago, 2002. Yeah, it is. And some of the things I've learned from there is it's uh, been through a lot of good people. If I can have a little bit of an effect on players' lives as, as young men off the field and, and have helped them develop, yeah, that, that would, that would uh, rest easy with myself. Rest even easier, Paul, if we can win a competition, mate. Well, Ricky, I will be home in Australia this year and I hope, very much hope, that I'm at that grand final watching, watching the team lift the, lift the trophy up. It's been a great interview, Ricky. <laughs> it's been a great interview, Ricky. I appreciate you carving out a bit of time and I wish you all the best for the season ahead. It's going to be a ripper. Uh, pleasure. You do a great job with this podcast and I feel very fortunate that you invited me on. So good luck. And when you do get back to Australia with your family, look me up and I'd love to catch up and have a dinner with you. Thanks, Ricky. Hi, everyone. It's Jim here. You've been listening to the great coach, Ricky Stewart. I hope you enjoyed Ricky's thoughts and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back, the key takeaways for me were how the great coaches are good at creating environments that make you feel special. How the experience with his daughter, Emma, helped him develop the Ricky Stewart Foundation to help families with autistic children and also improve his communication skills with his family and his athletes. The importance of care when it comes to creating high-performing teams. His view on the use of honesty and ensuring you tailor the way you deliver it. And wanting to leave a legacy where he helps develop the person and the athlete that delivers a premiership for the Canberra Raiders as premierships change people's lives for the better. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Jack Barrett, who listened to our episode on purpose and commented, I listened to this on the way home after today's shift. This was interesting and insightful. It made me reflect on the ambulance service, and I wonder if the concept of purpose is taken for granted. Thank you for sharing your expertise on this subject. Thanks, Jack. It's the interaction with people like Jack from around the world who listen, give us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, then please do let us know. And also, if you're interested in helping us create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our great coaches share with us, then you can sponsor us through our Patreon page. All the details on how you can connect with us and also find our Patreon community are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.